And um, what about the other kind of uh, key people in your life? Mm. Who, who are the other mentors, if you like, that put their arm around you? Um, I know you also, you talk a lot about Dietrich Mateschitz being quite a big influence. Second father, easily, is uh, Jackie Stewart. Yeah, so Jackie, yeah. I think, um, I mean, the Weber family, um, I mean, it sounds a bit over the top, but it's just the way it is. I mean, I hold Jackie in the highest, highest esteem. I mean, he's been, and the family, I mean, they've been they've been great um, and are great to this day. I mean, um, we try and see each other a lot. Um, and just talk about, yeah, you know, um, his hindsight is my foresight. There you as well, go. Yes, you got it. So um, that's it. So every now and again, I mean, after Le Mans, there was something going on there, and and he rang up and says, "Mark, you just you don't need to be doing this anymore. This is just Jackie. like yeah." And he's like, and then I had the big crash in Brazil. Yeah. So it's like, and he's going, "Mate, you know," because he was very disappointed about the standard of driving. You know, I mean, we all raced in Formula One, which is the level is obviously you know, pretty high as we know, and then you race in a mixed category in sports cars where you've got amateurs mixed with pros in phenomenal machinery and then mixed machinery and you're sort of like he's like mate there's just landmines everywhere you know and he just presented it to me in a way and it's just like you know so he's on the career side on the on the on managing my my life out of the cockpit the monday to friday stuff he's been a tremendous example for me on on doing all the real real basics very very well it sounds like you did have a lot of uh, strong influence and advice growing up but is there any advice you'd give to your younger self now looking back uh yeah i think um yeah i think um you know continuing you know when you believe that you're working hard which i believed um i i believe i really did work hard i would like to have worked a bit more on the mental side of the Mm. sport i think physically i was definitely one of the best shapes I could be in while I didn't leave anything on the table there in terms of my pre- um, my preparation on that probably seek out a bit more um, just to handle just a bit of distraction control and just a bit of handling that that last because I mean pressure and you know delivering and, and, and your breaking points is all generally around you know just all those distractions and, and what are those things that there's always something that will break someone you know like what is that final thing that's going to start to break you down mm. um, and is it with your own performance is it with you know I mean in our sport as we know so a lot of the listeners you know will know but it, it's such a it's such a technical sport there's so many things which we have to contribute towards our performance on an engineering side that We've got 500 people at the factory and we're trying to... So there's so many things that you learn along the way that you're like, wow, if I had a bloody known that early, earlier, or you've got columns of energy to say, I actually probably overcooked that column in terms of the energy I put into it, but if mm. I bloody just shift, shifted a couple of percent over to that one for myself um, in terms of how I, how I strip that down um, and probably... Um, even just things like probably just a bit more rest as well, just mm. more rest, more sleep, you know, plan better. I always want to leave on you know, after races. I want to get the first flight out of there and get out of there. Well, Mark, actually, you know, I was busting to get back to back to your own bed, but it's like sometimes it's like, mate, you just chill, you know, let's get. So I, I think I, I would have liked to have somehow brought a bit less stress into my mm. profession somehow. So do you think you could have enjoyed it a bit more? Yes, I think... Um, that could have been, yeah, something which I should have... It was quite interesting. Like, my third last race after Korea, 
13 drivers. Um, we all got on a plane together. We flew in a private jet from Korea to Narita and we started to get, we just had a few drinks on the plane and then we went out in Tokyo on the Sunday night. I after, remember you doing after, this. After I Korea, remember this. After the Korea. I secretly wanted to be there, obviously. <laughs> yeah, you would have done well there, Pinky. But obviously on that Sunday night, you had a massive session. Was massive. <laughs> Absolutely huge. We had 13 drivers. Monday goes by and then Tuesday, I had some other friends arrive and we all were talking about how amazing Sunday night was. I said, yeah, well, it sounds amazing, but, you know, if you're not there, are I said, I'll tell you what, we'll go again Tuesday night. So we went back to the <laughs> Tuesday night. To the same place. Same place. Amazing. Massive. Massive night again. I qualified on pole on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, only qualified on pole. So to answer your question, like, obviously, I was not going to be drinking like that, you know, and I rarely, I rarely drank when I was racing. So, mm. you know, to your point, what could I have done? Different? So could I just release the pressure valve a sniff, not drinking at all? In terms of, you know, I don't need to do that, but in terms mm. of just how intense I was and how individual and how sort of driven I was and probably how selfish, but if I just tried to enjoy it a bit and, and not let that, you know, the professional, the all encompassing sort of, you know, the, the whole global effect of it sort of, me down a bit mm. um i think that is definitely a component i could have um just but i saw that as showing other people especially my employee like if they found out i mean which they would i mean they knew it was my last two or three races mm. so Mark, it was a bit of a thank you for all the drivers he's on his way anyway but um i just i was just very old school on that mm. and that was probably something that dad you know bashed into me that you know it's just like you're now yeah you're professional you've got standards and yeah. you've got to do things and but I don't know, I think um, the camaraderie between the drivers is actually a lot better than it might look from the outside. You know, the mm. fact that you went out and had this great night out. I remember talking to Daniel Ricciardo about it and he said, actually, it, it took Jules Bianchi's death actually to make them all sit up and realise they had mm. a, a genuine love and respect for each other. Mm. Is that something that we don't see enough of on the outside? And is that maybe something that you guys need to enjoy a bit more as well? Because it could be a bit of a lonely sport otherwise. Uh, 100% right, Pink. So I think um, a couple of things have happened, I think, of late. Um, I think when you say when something, when a huge incident like when we lost Yul Bianchi happens, to, it's a massive wake-up call to the guys to say, actually, you know, we're overcooking this. We're way too uh, selfish. We need to have a, a bit more respect for each other. Clearly, when we're wheel-to-wheel, you know, 200 mile an hour with the helmets on, we have to race hard. You know, but the whole, I suppose, the boxer mentality of, well, we can't even really be we can't do much at all together is is a bit of a um a step too far um and i think also what I, then what hit me between the eyes when i went and did when i finished racing in formula one going to sports cars just how because it's a different style of racing it is less intense and it's more about the endurance so the wheel-to-wheel combat or the ego combat factor is a lot lower so you can actually the guards down and I was also at the end of my career. I was you know, the contest was over in a way. I was just enjoying driving cars at that point. 